the same with a new face With strange mysteries hanging in the air People in their sane minds swear they see you today Are you looking for the love they took away? Everyone knows that you couldn't buy the pain So you took your life the most ghoulish day to every single one of you. Thank you so much for stopping by, making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. Those tunes you just heard, of course, are courtesy of the lovely Bobby Mackey. And I'm your host, Tessa Morrow. <laughs> the woman, she walks down the dark alley. She hears a scamper-like sound coming from behind. She quickly turns around, and there's nothing there. She's weary and very much aware of her surroundings. She continues to walk a little faster when she hears the sound again, but it's closer. Before she can even turn around, she feels Longclaws grasp her arms violently. Don't you dare touch me! Stand back! No! Spring-killed Jack. He's in the category, I would put, like, Mothman, Jersey Devil. First reports come around the mid-1830s. The first two are coming from cemeteries. So a businessman, he's on his way home from a long day of work. He is by the local cemetery when out of nowhere this figure appears, jumping over the high railings of the cemetery, landing in the man's path. Now, this mysterious figure showed no aggression, but it left the businessman pretty shooken up. How the bloody hell was he able to do that? He submits the description of the man being disturbingly muscular with devilish features, including large pointed ears and nose and protruding glowing eyes. An elderly woman is at a Clapham cemetery visiting a departed loved one. She's there for a while when she suddenly sees this mysterious figure. A dark cloak is covering his body, a hat concealing his face. She sees this figure make an ungodly jump over the high cemetery fence, disappearing into the darkness. And in 1837, several reports are pouring in. And not just from one particular area, but all over the United Kingdom. This mysterious being is believed by many to be, well, demonic. He has clawed hands, red eyes. He's extremely tall and gangly thin. Many of the people that have had run-ins with this thing describe the same thing. He's wearing a black cloak, a helmet, a white garment of oil skin, something that's often worn by sailors, and more than just a few have seen him jump on rooftops from house to house like it's nothing at all. It's October 1837. A young lady named Mary Stevens is walking to work in South London. She's making her way through one of the many parks in the area when this figure appears from nowhere and leaps towards her. She's taken back by this as anybody would be. Hello? He approaches her and kisses her. Like, no thank you, dude. Using his claws, he's viciously ripping at her clothing and at her flesh. 
in her words, he was cold and clammy as those of a corpse. During the attack, she manages to let out a scream. She screams. He flees. Thankfully, this attracts the attention of passerby, and they come running over to her. Despite several people searching for the attacker, he is nowhere to be found. The following day, a carriage is traveling through. When suddenly, a creature jumps in the path of the carriage. The coach, well, he loses control and crashes, and he's severely hurt. Well, thankfully, several people were around the area when this happened, and they were able to help the gentleman who was hurt, but they also got to see the incident go down. They then see this figure get away by jumping over a nearby wall, which was around nine feet tall. A high-pitched cackle came from him as he leaves the scene. And soon after, a woman named Polly Adams is attacked. Her clothing was torn off, revealing her stomach. The ravenous creature scratches it with his iron-clad claws. She describes him as being tall, thin, and powerful man who wore a dark cloak. He had glowing eyes and the ability to smell blue flames. Several more servant girls start to come forward of similar attacks and encounters of this ever-so-mysterious and aggressive figure. As news spread like wildfire, the attacks and sightings, the media dubbed the mysterious sleeping man of, that's, well, what he is, Spring-Heeled Jack. January of 1838, the Lord Mayor of London, Sir John Cohen, reads an announcement at a meeting. It appears that some individuals have laid a wager with a mischievous and foolhardy companion that he durst not take upon himself the task of visiting many of the villages near London in three different disguises, a ghost, a bear, and a devil, and, moreover, that he will enter a gentleman's garden for the purpose of claiming the inmates of the house. The wager has, however, been accepted, and the unmanly villain has succeeded in depriving seven ladies of their senses, two of whom are not likely to recover, but to become burdens to their families. At one house the man rang the bell, and on the servant coming to the open door, this worse-than-brute stood a no less dreadful figure than clad most perfectly. The consequence was that the poor girl immediately swooned, and has never from that moment been in her senses. The affair has been going in for some time, and it's strange to say, but the papers are still silent on the subject. February 19th, 1838. Jane Alsop is in the safety of her home. It's a regular evening, nothing out of the ordinary. Suddenly, a knock, knock, knock at the door. Jane, well, she goes to answer that door, and a man is standing at the doorstep. I'm a policeman. For God's sake, bring me a light, for we have caught spring Hill Jack here in the lane. Something is off about this gentleman, this so-called policeman. He seems to be wearing what looks like a cloak. <laughs> Definitely not what the local police wore. But who is she to judge? Maybe it's a new thing they're trying out. Maybe he has a cold. I don't know. Who knows? She doesn't know. Well, she goes and she fetches the supposed police officer a candle. They go outside and walk a distance. She hands him the candle. 
And immediately after this, he yanks the cloak off of him, tosses it aside, glitter bug. He's wearing a large helmet and oilskin tight clothing. Blue and white flames erupt from his mouth. His eyes were like two balls of fire. He tears at her nightgown with what she felt to be metallic-like claws. She is not far from home and she manages to escape his grasp. She screams as she runs. She's almost home. She frantically runs up the stairs leading to her front door. As she goes for the door handle, her attacker catches up to her and violently tears at her neck and arms with his hideous claws. She yells in pain, screaming for help. Her sister is home and hears a scream. She thinks to herself, what the hell is that chain? She runs out the door to see her poor sister getting attacked. The attacker flees. Jane describes the mysterious man. Appears enveloped in a long cloak. He threw off his outer garment and applying the lighted candle to his breast, presented a most hideous and frightful appearance and vomited forth a quantity of blue and white flames from his mouth and his eyes resembled red balls of fire. Fast forward nine days later, February 28th, 1838. Sisters Lucy and Margaret Skells have spent part of the day visiting their brother in East London. They say goodbye, promise to see him soon, and they start to walk home. Well, they haven't gotten very far when they pass through Green Dragon Alley. They see a man standing nearby. He stood out. He was wearing some type of cloak. I mean, it's weird, but they think nothing of it. Who are they to judge, you know, to each their own? They continue talking to one another and make their way closer to the cloaked man. Without warning, suddenly a blue flame comes from this strange, mysterious man. Lucy is face to face with him. Margaret is behind Lucy. Lucy gets hit in the face with this flame. She drops to the ground, screaming and cringing in pain. She is said to have had violent fits for several hours. He once again flees, jumping over a 14-foot fence. They were close enough to their brother's house where he could actually hear the screams, and he runs over. The scene is a terrifying one. His sister Lucy is on the ground, hurt and hysterical. She's clearly not herself. His other sister Margaret is holding her, hugging her, comforting her, trying to console her. Margaret tells their brother what just exactly happened. She describes the attacker as being tall and thin, a gentlemanly appearance. He was wearing a large cloak and was seen to be carrying a small lamp or bullseye lantern, something like what the local law enforcement would use. Remember, days earlier, he told Jane Alsup that he indeed was a police officer. I'm a policeman. And more attacks begin to pop up. In southeast London, Forest Hill to be more specific, a young servant girl is attacked by what she described as a tall figure in what appeared to be something like a bare skin. One day a man is outside in his garden when he sees a figure which he describes as being in the shape of a bear or some other type of large four-footed creature. It growls at the gardener as they make eye contact. It then climbs a fence quite rapidly, then runs off on all fours. Now to me, these last two sightings seems like it possibly could have been an actual bear. 
Upon hearing about this most recent sighting, the Times releases a short statement in their paper saying, Spring-Hill Jack has, as it seems, found his way to the Sussex coast. In 1843, reports of several more sightings come pouring in. One person in Northamptonshire described it as The very image of the devil himself, with horns and eyes of flame. Meanwhile, in East Angelia, coach drivers were routinely being attacked. And this happens on several occasions. It's not just a one-time incident. Remember we heard about that earlier. Now, in 1847, in Tainmouth, Devon, a... Captain Finch was convicted of two charges of assaulting women, wearing a skin coat and a skull cap with horns and a mask. But even after his arrest, more sightings, encounters, and attacks are happening. Seems like Captain Finch saw all the attention and glory and fame that Spring Hill Jack was gaining and wanted a piece of the action. Sorry, folks, just a copycat here. In the early 1870s, he was seen in several towns who dubbed him with their own names. In addition to Spring-Hill Jack, he was also called Park Ghost in Sheffield and Peckham Ghost in Peckham. In 1877, in southeast England, on the military base in Aldershot Garrison, in the North Camp, a sentry is on duty outside, keeping an eye on things, when he suddenly sees a figure, which starts leaping rapidly towards the soldier, who yells demands, telling him to stop and to identify himself immediately. Stop! Identify yourself immediately. The man does not comply and continues making his way to the a very alert soldier. Suddenly, he disappears into the darkness. The soldier goes back to his post, but a moment later, the intruder is back. But instead of being just a short distance away, he is now face to face with this intruder. The mysterious man slaps the soldier several times square in the face. A hand as cold as that of a corpse. The commotion gains the attention of the man's fellow soldiers. They approach and they see the intruder, who manages to leap over their heads, landing behind them. One of the men shoots the leaper. It hits him, but does not face him in the very slightest. He leaps away and disappears into the darkness. This would not be the first time that Spring Hill Jack would be shot. The same year of the Aldershot military incident, a sighting of old Jack occurs at Newport Arch in Lincoln, Lincolnshire. An angry mob gathers, chases him, and corners him. Shots are fired, and he escapes once again. And in 1888, eyewitnesses place him on the rooftop of St. Francis Xavier's Church in Everton, Liverpool. Then, a few years later, in 1904, he's seen again by several people not far from the church at nearby William Henry Street. And in more recent times, he continues to install fear in people's hearts, turning skeptics into hardcore believers, appearing here and appearing there. In the late 1970s, several people in Outer Cliff, Sheffield, reports seeing a glowing red-eyed prowler who enjoyed grabbing at women and attacking men. He was seen several times to jump from rooftop to rooftop and even walk down the sides of walls. Creepy. I know when I see that in scary movies when, like, you know, the bad guy or gal or scary thing is walking down the wall. It's like, oh my god, that scares me. <laughs> I love it. In 1986 in South Herefordshire, Marshall, a salesman, 
is traveling through the area when a man comes out of nowhere and leaps in enormous bounds into his path as he passes Marshall. He slaps Marshall hard on the cheek. Marshall describes the leaping slapper as tall, wearing some sort of black suit and an elongated chin. At some point, Springkill Jack is seen in West Surrey by several school children who describe him as all black with red eyes and had a funny all-in-one white suit with badges on him. The children say that the man ran as fast as a car and was approaching dark-headed children, saying to them, I want you. Now, remember, earlier when he told one of his earliest victims, Jane Alsop, that he was a police officer. So many of the reports shows him as just leaping, slapping, and attacking. It's rare where he actually speaks. In early 2012 in Stone Lane, a family is in a taxi on their way home. It's nighttime, past 10.30, when they suddenly see a figure with no features run wildly across the road. He then proceeds to climb, with no trouble whatsoever, a 15-foot roadside bank in just a matter of seconds. The family believes it to be Spring Hill Jack himself. And sightings go much wider than the United Kingdom. It plagues the United States as well. First reports come from Louisville, Kentucky in 1880. Several terrified women report to be attacked by a creature that resembles a man. But it's not a man, baby. He's wearing extremely tight black clothing with a cape or a cloak. He jumps at distances that are not humanly possible and gets away. In addition to this, he's described as having long nails or claws, pointed ears and a nose, and his signature move, spitting those blue flames right out of his mouth. In 1938, Provincetown, Massachusetts, one resident swore to have shot the creature with a shotgun, only for the mysterious creature to start laughing quite manically and makes his escape by jumping over an extremely tall fence. Sightings and attacks continue in Cape Cod for several years, finally ending around uh, 1945. In 1953, in Houston, Texas, residents report to see a mysterious man wearing tight black clothing and stalking their backyards. One thing they say, which we have not heard in the other descriptions, is that he has large wings on his back. But that may make sense on how he's able to get away so easily and leaping over people and buildings so gracefully. It's just weird that nobody's detected those wings before. One Houston local man saw the creature in his backyard get away by leaping into a tall tree, dropping down, and leaping into the darkness. Creepy. Can anyone say, jeepers, creepers, da-da-da-da-da. Other reports of sightings place him in Sydney, North Carolina in 1973, Plano, Texas in 1979, and who knows of the other possible places he's been where people were just too terrified to report it. So, who is Spring-Heeled Jack? Was he some legendary mythical creature with super leaping powers who got his rocks off on scratching at women and slapping at men? Or was it a person or group of people? Now, in his letter, Lord Mayor of London accused a group of people. Many believe the guilty party responsible was an Irishman, the Marquis of Waterford. As early as 1840, many have believed this. The troubled man was often in the news in the late 1830s for his destructive and bizarre behavior. 
He was a prankster at heart and loved conducting brutal jokes, usually in drunken brawls, encounters with women, and run-ins with authorities. And he was in London for many of the attacks. Cobham Brewer pointed the finger at him because he used to amuse himself by springing on travelers, frighten them, and from time to time, others have followed his silly escape. Maybe he was responsible for some of the attacks. They went on for several decades, long past since his own death. Certainly, he's not responsible for all of them. And I must ask, who can leap so high over people, buildings, fences, walls, and embankments, as simple as if one is crossing the street or opening the refrigerator? And what about the claws? The blue fire coming from the mouth? I don't know. It's just so weird to me. It may be something that, like so many others, we will never know the true identity. Is he still out there, wreaking havoc on some poor town, some unfortunate soul? Police did take the reports very seriously and searched several times for Spring-Killed Jack, always coming back empty-handed. The army set traps all throughout the area in 1870. It accomplished nothing. Hell, even the Duke of Wellington, at 70 years old and fully armed, jumped on his horse and searched far and wide for that beast. To date, he has never been found, captured, or identified. Will the slapping, scratching escapade ever end? Only time will tell. <laughs> the media, they love him. There's movies, there's plays, there's books written about him. A band, the Spring Hill Jack Band, is named after him. And during my research, I came upon a site that is Spring Hill Jack Coffee. Damned good coffee with additional flavors, such as Abominable Snowman, Bell Witch, and so many others at $15 a bag. As a coffee lover, I will have to check this out and buy some, and I'll let you know how it is. Big shout out to my amazingly fantasmic voiceovers. Mr. Adrian Romero, Miss Casey Morrow, Mrs. Angie Velasquez, Mr. Andy McRillan, Mr. Ian Barrow. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes! Listen to the others, you guys. They're equally phenomenal. Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to cry, just leap on over. See what I did there? <laughs> to any of those podcast platforms such as Breaker, Castro, Overcast, Player FM, Podbay, wherever you may roam to listen to your other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcasts lurking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to Ben Salem Township, Pennsylvania, Kearns, Utah. Denpasar, Indonesia, Santa Cruz, California, and Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. Thank you, everybody. It's super appreciated, as always. Have a spooky story to share, perhaps a memorable investigation, a spine-tingling experience, a campfire Halloween tale, maybe be a voiceover in a future episode. Throw an email my way. Paraprowl at gmail.com. See you next week, my nipping villains. <laughs>